1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/recommend today. Our first guest of the night, who joins us on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, she's a senior NFL analyst and content director for NBC Sports. She's a Cleveland native. Her name is Samantha Bunton. Samantha, always happy to have you on. Um, let me start so real right off the bat here. We were just having a conversation that was kind of a side conversation in the, the, the what we were talking about to start the show, which was figuring out who is America's team now. Because this idea of the Cowboys being America's team, Mitch looked it up. It was the NFL that kind of started this because they realized, like, all oh, Cowboys fans travel well, and they're always everywhere. Everyone seems to cheer for them. But in today's climate, like, I think people are, like, over the Cowboys. They haven't been very good for a long period of time. And they're kind of just like, why do we still talk about this team? So I don't think it's the Cowboys at this point, right?
0: Yeah, definitely not the Cowboys. There are just way too many people that hate them. Exactly. So I'm not sure they are drawing, like, (laughs) out-of-market fans the way that they used to. So, oh, my gosh, but – but are, so we're asking who is America's team? And are we asking who's really America's team or who does the NFL want to be America's team? Because well, so I feel like those are two different
1: questions. I, I'm with you on the hate thing. Like, that was my number one piece of criteria, t- criteria. Like, you could be America's team for a period of time. Like I said, maybe when the Patriots were first coming through, Tom Brady wins that Super Bowl in 2002. It was right after 9-11 and the Patriots whole thing. And, you know and he wins another one, and I think early on maybe people kind of liked that, and maybe they were America's team then, but then like by the end of Tom Brady's time in New England, people were like, over the Patriots, they hated them. Once you become hated, you're not America's team anymore. So we kind of settled on, at least for this year, and maybe the last couple years, it, it kind of feels like the Bills have been America's team. Like That's the team everybody in America can get behind.
0: Well, that would have been my first answer, because it has to be somebody who's good enough and has yes. been good enough consistently for years. So I, I can't jump on the Eagles thing at all because that's no. new, right? This is like their first year. Well, they had a year of like we'll call it competence last <laughs> year. Um, but um I think it's too soon for that. Also I, I know that silly Sports, I, I am fond of silly sports, but I know that not everyone is. But the Bills, unless you're a fan of another AFC East team, I feel like you don't hate the Bills. And nobody hates Josh Allen again unless they're playing against him. So they seem like the team and they're fun. They score a lot of points. They're exciting to watch. So, and people seem to be, it's like the backlash against like the teams like the Cowboys being America's team. Or, or you mentioned the Patriots. Yeah, it was fun at first. And then, you know, they answered their villain <laughs> era. Um, <laughs> I, I think the Bills are a little bit more of a, the sort of underdog mentality yes. that kind of drives today's version of America's
1: team yeah I think that's the answer I'll also say about the Eagles fans or just Philly fans I don't know if a team from Philly could ever be America's team maybe when the Phillies were playing the Astros because everybody didn't want to see the Astros win. but I mean I just if you throw snowballs at Santa like you're forever tainted no nobody can be America's team that did that I'm sorry (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, that's true. And I don't think Philly wants that. That's the other no, thing. I no. think you have to be willing to embrace it internally. And I think Philly is very much, no, we're our own thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Talking with Samantha Bunton on the hotline. You can follow her on Twitter at Samantha Bunton. How do the Browns beat the Dolphins this weekend? They're undefeated. With Tua under center this year, they have a ton of speed, especially at wide receiver. We know that. They do a lot of stuff over the middle of the field. How can this Browns team, fresh off the bye, and relatively healthy it would seem coming into the weekend, what's the formula to beat this team?
0: Well, I think ball control is definitely part of it. Time of possession is going to matter in this game when you're going up against a high-powered offense, although I don't think you want to be too far in that direction because you also have to be a little bit aggressive with teams that tend to score at well. And I also think that on the other side of the ball, you know, the Dolphins' defense has not been great. They've been very inconsistent and they really, really struggle against the pass. Now, obviously, for the Browns, it would be more useful if they struggled against the run, at least at this point in the season schedule. But that is something to keep in mind, too. They're also very banged up on defense, and they really struggle in man coverage, which Jacoby excels against. So that's going to come into play, too. But to me, I think the name of the game is keeping the ball out of Tua's hands, keeping, you know, you got to watch, like you said, over the middle. Uh That's big. So, you know, Grant Delpit, <laughs> step it up and this one he's a guy who I'm looking pretty closely at and, and also Clowney um I, I think that there's an opportunity here for Clowney to kind of have himself the game that that we keep hoping we'll see out of him
1: the big question I've been asking so far tonight Samantha just revolves around obviously this matchup with the Dolphins is you know priority number one and if the Browns are going to have any chance at you know chasing a playoff spot late in the season they they pretty much need a win over the Dolphins, if not a win in the next one-on-one one win in the next two games to have any kind of real shot at this. Um and then the I, t- for me like I, it's people are going to start focusing on that second half narrative that does revolve around the return of Deshaun Watson and that game on December 4th against the Texans, his return to to Houston after all this this stuff that that obviously ha- transpired and the legal stuff that he got wrapped up in and just the the trouble um, I have I've asked the fans this before here in Cleveland if they're ready for that that villain role, because it's gonna start. Like you got most of your games the second half of this season are on the road. Four of that last six with Deshaun is on the road, one of them being at the team he obviously just played for prior to yours, where there was this whole falling out and everything that happened. I I, I think fans have kind of made it clear like we're fine doing that and embracing that. I wanna know if this team, though is ready for that role? Because we know, like, some people embrace the villain role like LeBron went to Miami, right? Like, he embraced it, ran with it, and he gets two titles out of it. Some people, though, they will, and some teams aren't ready for that. Do we think this team can handle the pressure not only of having to keep your season alive, but also that villain role that they're going to have every single where that that they go once Deshaun's back on the field? Well, I guess
0: I'll start by saying that I think that us against the world is a very, very powerful motivator for yes. anybody, no matter what the circumstances are. Um, I know that fans tend to embrace this kind of stuff more than teams do. <laughs> this is not necessarily the same thing in-house as it is to fan bases. Sure. Um, I would also say I think that we do have to treat this a little bit differently. It's not like LeBron going to Miami or, you know, Tom Brady and his owner after just late gate. It's a little bit of a different thing. So I think it's reasonable to say that there may be players on this team who do not like the why, of how they ended up in a villain role. It's a little bit different um, than it is in circumstances where we're talking more about a villain in a true football sense rather than an off-field sense. So that could come into play. But the biggest thing is, yeah, I mean, can you handle going into an extremely hostile environment and still play your best football? And I don't know – they're not necessarily a team that I look at, but hey, these guys are really united. That's just not how you think of them at this point. But I also don't look at them as like a fractured, divided locker room the way that we would have maybe a year ago when we had, you know, the whole Baker Mayfield mess. Like, in some ways, I think they're better equipped to deal with it now, even though now they're in in some ways a worse circumstance because – Nobody cared if Baker Mayfield was coming to town for a lot of reasons, <laughs> but but there was no off-field issue there, and, and that definitely makes other people want to beat you uh, more than just being good or you know being irritating. Or if you're a Baker and you know planted a flag in the middle of somebody's field or whatever ridiculousness um, that people tend to get upset about. But I think players look at it really differently than fans do. So to me, they're going to have to come together more than they appear to be right now but I'm not necessarily saying they can't do it I guess we'll find out in just a couple
1: weeks we'll find out yes Uh, yeah and and to be clear like I don't I'm not trying to compare all the Deshaun stuff to I'm not trying to to make it as simple as the LeBron thing it was just as from a sports lens that's an example that comes to mind of like this guy was you know he had to embrace that role and sometimes that can fracture teams and I and it comes from the idea too of like Joel Batonio in the preseason talking about, yeah, Cleveland against the world is always a mentality that we have when he's asked about, you know, what what it means for this team to have to go out with knowing how fans are going to treat them. So it was kind of just a, a topic of conversation, and obviously I just want to clarify that I'm not trying to downplay it to that level. So I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page there. Uh, moving outside of Cleveland, I'm just going to ask you straight up, is Aaron Rodgers washed? That, that's that's kind of the conversation I think people are having at this point about the Packers.
0: I think he's like quiet quitting, right? Like, I I think he's given (laughs) up. I don't even know if it's that he's washed. It's that, like, he's just like, you know what? I'm out. And it's, you know, I don't know. If you put Aaron Rodgers on the field with some of the teams that he's had in the past this year at age 39, like, maybe he looks like a completely different guy. He strikes me as somebody who is kind of now, like, you reap what you sow, and when you run people out of town, and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you create a situation where a lot of people don't want to play with you. You make things hard on your coaching staff. You make things hard on your front office, which is really not that great of a front office to begin with. Uh, even independently of Aaron Rodgers, they certainly have not done him any favors. But to me, he looks like a guy who's just kind of done with it, whether he has the physical skill to continue to com- to compete or if he's truly washed. But I, I think he's washed himself, right? He- he's self-canceled. <laughs>
1: Talking with Samantha Bunton on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. She's a senior NFL analyst and content director for NBC Sports. Which team from the Big Apple, or I guess New Jersey is always what Bills fans say, because they say there's only one New York team. Which team from New Jersey, the Jets or the Giants, is more for real? Or I guess, which one do you trust more is for real? The
0: Giants, for sure. Um, are they both better Pleasant surprise. Um, it's, it's cool. It's fun to see. I, I like to see the New Jersey teams do well. Um, a lot of fun guys to root for on both of these teams, but the giants are a better football team. Um, I'm not actually sure they're all that much more talented on paper, but when you look at the way that they win games, uh, they're clearly, I think more built for the long haul. And also they're an incredibly well-coached team. I mean, I can't say enough good things about Brian Dable as a head coach, the way that he has sort of handled in-game management, which I think is one of the hardest things to do as a first-time head coach, has just been exceptionally good. And this is not a knock on Robert sella who I I think is also doing a nice job and has a very promising future. But Brian to really stood out to me in that way. And also, you know, as much as we all knock Daniel Jones, because it's funny, he's not that bad. And <laughs> Zach Wilson, I mean – it's really, really hard to succeed just throwing five-yard screens all the time. And right now the Jets are winning in spite of Zach Wilson rather than because of him. And I, I love Zach. We all love Zach Wilson, right? He's like a folk hero now ever since the you know, mom's friend thing or whatever. It's hilarious. We love this guy. But I just don't think he's very good, whereas I think Daniel Jones can kind of function within the framework of the team that he's on in a successful way in a manner in which Zach Wilson is probably not capable of over the long haul.
1: I would be remiss if I didn't try to get Samantha Bunton's thoughts on uh, this Jeff Saturday situation. Um, I'm sure you have a lot to say about this uh, wildly, uh, this wild decision by Jim Irsay to hire Jeff Saturday Cold Turkey to be his head coach.
0: It's incredible. It's like the NFL is the world's best theater, and, and this is why. <laughs> I It's just absurd, and I say this as a person who, like, I think – I don't know, six weeks ago or something came on your show and told you that my long shot pick for the Super Bowl.
1: was the Colts. <laughs> I haven't forgotten that. you are you're you got to stick like, to the 49ers predictions, apparently. <laughs> please, I, see? See? That's right.
0: I, Jimmy <laughs> Garoppolo predictions only. Um, but this is what happened. But I I can't imagine, like, as and I don't care if this is Jim Irsay or Chris Ballard or some combination of the two, and we all know Frank Reich was partly to blame here, but, like, probably is really more of a scapegoat under the circumstances, but like how do you get to the point where you have a whole bunch of at least moderately capable people in your building. If nothing else they know the playbook. If nothing else they have NFL coaching experience. And then you're like, nah, there was this guy who played for our team a while ago and he was like a nice guy like him. You know, he's got good vibes. Like he's like a good dude. let's call that guy, uh, who, you know, sits on a desk at ESPN and bring him in to coach who is Coaching experience is limited to, you know, own child high school football. So, I mean, it's great. The press conference was just exceptional. I watched it three times, like, like just because
1: <laughs> three the entertainment
0: times. value. <laughs> just
1: replaying so it. Good. Oh my I god! I'm envisioning you mean, watching it over and over again. That is hilarious.
0: <laughs> i mean dying. Uh, I mean, Chris Ballard's out there being like. Oh, here's something I did poorly. Let me remind you of something else I did poorly. I mean, that was like the <laughs> subtext of what he was saying. And Ursay is like, I've never hired a losing coach. And you're like, well, technically you hired Josh McDaniel. So, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, you did. <sighs> but what a mess.
1: What I, a mess. Nice. I, oh. my, my prediction from this is that we're going to see other teams do this to try to skirt the Rooney rule. Uh, Maybe it's far-fetched, but (laughs) I I do think that's going to be the next thing. It's like, oh, well, I can just hire this guy interim and then take the title off at the end of the season, and then I don't have to worry about the Rooney rule. I'm sure that'll change eventually. Like They'll make it a thing where like you can't do that. But for now, it's like the new loophole, I guess, for people. Uh, Final thing for you here, Samantha, as I let you go, uh, give me a team that maybe has underperformed so far this season, but you think is destined to have a a bounce-back second half and, and maybe make a playoff push late.
0: I mean, is it the Browns? Can we say the
1: Browns? I like the I mean, I think that's a fair answer. They I mean, they're the only team getting a player back who could significantly impact right. like at the most important position on the field, right? Like it's it's like you're getting a guy back off the IR. Like that 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 is massive.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean it's it's the only team that right now can fundamentally change completely the talent level that is available to them at this point in the season. There just isn't anybody else out there who's going to get that big of a boost and they're also I think in a position when you look through the schedule where they actually could do it because the other yeah. teams that I think might make a nice second half push is you know I'm looking at teams like the Commanders where okay Taylor he just seems to be this, he's a guy you know for whatever reason he seems to be able to come in and do good things and obviously there's nowhere to go but up if he started with Carson once but Ultimately, when you start counting off playoff spots and you look at the schedule, there's just not really a practical path for them. And, and the AFC is tough. I mean, it's, it's going to be harder for the Browns because they are in the more competitive conference right now. But with the schedule that they have and with the fact that you're getting, you know, effectively a, a Pro Bowl or the second half, nobody else is getting that. So it's, there's probably no better candidate for this than the Browns.
1: Love the answer. I'm sure Cleveland does as well. She's Samantha Bunton, senior NFL analyst and content director for NBC Sports, also co-host of the Three and Out podcast. Uh, You can find her on Twitter at Samantha Bunton. Samantha, always enjoy the conversation. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for having me, Spencer. Take
1: care. You too. Great stuff. Samantha Bunton, as always, she delivers with some good stuff. And she said the Browns are the team. Browns are the team that maybe had a sluggish start that could have a better second half and make a playoff push. There you go, Browns fans.